0: A man was being tailgated, you all know what that is, right? Being tailgated by a stressed out woman on a busy boulevard when suddenly the light turned yellow just in front of him. He did the odd thing, but the right thing and slowed to a stop, even though he could have beaten the red light by speeding through it. None of us know what that's like, right? I mean, we don't just right. hypothetical. Okay, you do understand. Okay, got it. Okay. The tailgating woman missed her chance to get through the intersection, and she hit the roof and her horn screaming in frustration and using hand gestures with one finger just in case the man did not get her message. She was still in a mid-rant when she heard a tap on her window and looked up in the face of of a very serious-looking police officer. The officer ordered her to exit her car with her hands up. He took her to the police station where she was searched, fingerprinted, photographed, and placed into a holding cell. After several hours, a policeman approached the cell and opened the door. She was escorted back to the booking desk where the arresting officer was waiting with her personal effects. He said, I'm very sorry for this mistake. You see, I pulled up behind your car while you were blowing your horn flipping off the guy in front of you and cussing up a storm. I noticed the what would Jesus do bumper sticker. The follow me to Sunday school bumper sticker. And the chrome plated Christian fish emblem on the trunk. And naturally I assumed you had stolen the car. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> two weeks ago we uh, we began our walk through the ten Commandments the, the moral standards that that God formally gave his people. we looked at the first commandment and we learned who. We are to worship. That being God and God alone. Then last week we looked at the second commandment. And considered how we are to worship. We're to have no idols in our lives. No substitutes. No counterfeit gods that can steal our hearts away from the one true God. This morning we have made it to the third commandment. A commandment you have surely heard of before where God says to His people, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. I suspect, I suspect, that the vast majority of you are familiar with this commandment. And I also suspect that the vast majority of you are probably under the impression that this commandment is only about profanity. A rule that prohibits using God's name as a cuss word after you stub your toe. But I am here to tell you that there is so much more to this third commandment than watch your mouth. Now, as I did last week, I want to introduce this commandment with a story. So if you have your Bible, turn to 1 Kings chapter 22. 1 Kings chapter 22. And before we begin, I need to to set it up. Are you there? 1 Kings chapter 22. If you recall Old Testament history, there was a time when God's people who were living in the promised land were divided into two kingdoms the northern kingdom, called Israel. and the southern kingdom called Judah. There were ten tribes in the north and two tribes in the south. And at the time of this story in 1 Kings, Ahab is the king of Israel. Ahab is a wicked king. And he is married to who? Jezebel, and Jehoshaphat is the king of Judah, and he is described as a a good king. So these two kings are, are somewhat of an odd couple of sort. Three years had passed with peace between Israel and the neighboring country of Syria. But previously, the king of Syria had lost a battle to Israel. And he promised to return certain cities to Israel in exchange for their leniency. And one of these cities to be returned was Ramoth-Gilead. It was an important city due to its strategic location. But the king of Syria never returned it to Israel as promised. So King Ahab of Israel asked King Jehoshaphat of Judah to help him by joining their military forces together to take back the city from the king of Syria. Are you following? Okay. King Jehoshaphat agreed to help for political reasons and because his son was married to the daughter of King Ahab. But spiritually, he was still uneasy about it. He was having second thoughts and he told King Ahab they should seek a word from the Lord to confirm it was God's will that they go into battle against Syria. So King Ahab gathered 400 prophets to speak a word from the Lord. These may have been pagan prophets or unfaithful prophets. But whoever they were, they claimed to hear from the Lord and to speak on his behalf. They claimed to represent the Lord. When the truth be told, they simply said whatever they thought King Ahab wanted to hear. They were yes men on King Ahab's who knew how to scratch the king's ear, so to speak. And they all said, all 400, all said in agreement, go up, for the Lord will give it into the hand of the king. Apparently, King Jehoshaphat had some reservations about these 400 prophets who seemed a little too eager to please. He suspected they were not true prophets representing the Lord, as they had claimed. And so he asked King Ahab, Is there not yet a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of him? King Ahab replied, there is this one prophet, but he never says anything nice about me. His name is Micaiah, and I really hate him. I really, really hate him. Well, King Jehoshaphat wanted to hear from him anyway. So Micaiah was summoned by by Ahab to appear before them. While the kings waited for Micaiah to arrive... These 400 prophets gave this entertaining and dramatic presentation and continued to falsely claim to represent the Lord. Saying, go up to Ramoth Gilead and prosper, for the Lord will give it into the hand of the king. One of these prophets was named Zedekiah. And he made horns of iron as a symbol of military might. And he said to the kings, listen to this. Thus says the Lord. Thus says the Lord. With these, referring to the horns, you will gore the Armenians until they are consumed. In other words... I love this. In other words, the Lord told me to tell you. You ever heard that? The Lord told me to tell you, you will completely destroy the Syrians until they are no more. These 400 prophets were really pouring it on. They were really putting on a show for these two kings. But fortunately, Micaiah shows up to save the day. And he has brought before the kings their royal officials and these 400 prophets. And that brings us to verse 15. That's where we're going to start. Verse 15. 1 Kings 22, verse 15. And we read, When he, again referring to Micaiah, came to the king, the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to Ramoth-Gilead to battle, or shall we refrain? And he said to him, Go up and succeed, and the Lord will give it into the hand of the king. Micaiah had been previously told by the messenger who summoned him what the 400 prophets were proclaiming. And the messenger recommended that Micaiah should not make any waves, but agree with them. And to say only what the king wanted to hear. So Micaiah was asked if they should go take the city. And Micaiah said the same thing the 400 prophets said. He told King Ahab exactly what he wanted to hear. And we might think that Ahab should be satisfied. He should be happy. But notice his response in verse 16. Then the king said to him, How many times must I adjure you to speak to me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? Apparently, from the tone of Micaiah's voice, his answer was given in a very sarcastic manner. In essence, he was mimicking He was mocking the 400 prophets, and everyone knew it. But Ahab had enough, and he told Micaiah to speak the truth. And beginning in verse 17, that's exactly what he gets. And I read, Micaiah says, So he said, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains like sheep, which have no shepherd. And the Lord said, They have no master. Let each of them return to his house in peace. Then the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell you he would not prophesy good concerning me, but evil? Micaiah gave it to them straight From the Lord. And he proclaimed that if these two kings went to war with Syria, all of Israel would be scattered on the hills like sheep without a shepherd. Without a king. In other words, Micaiah predicted the death of King Ahab. This is the complete opposite of what the 400 prophets had predicted. But Ahab asked for the truth. He just couldn't handle the truth. King Ahab tells King Jehoshaphat, I knew he'd say that. I told you he doesn't like me. But Micaiah interrupts and says, This is not a matter of my words against your words. These words come from the Lord who is seated on his throne in heaven, unlike the words of your 400 prophets who only say what you want to hear. They are deceived, and they are deceiving you. Well, unfortunately, the kings ignored the truth. Ahab threw Micaiah into prison with only bread and water. And they went to battle against Syria. And just as Micaiah had proclaimed, Ahab was struck between a section of armor with a random arrow shot in the air. And he died. I presented this story to you this morning because these 400 prophets claimed to hear and speak for the Lord. But they misrepresented and dishonored Him. And that speaks directly to the third commandment. So if you have your Bible, go back. To Exodus chapter twenty verse seven. So we can take a closer look at this commandment. Exodus twenty verse seven. And we read You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes the name. His name in vain. God's choice of words in this commandment are very important in helping us to understand what he means. So let me explain some of these words used in this command. First, God says, You shall not take. That word take in Hebrew literally means to lift up, to raise, or to carry. Okay? To lift up, to raise, or to carry. And the idea is we don't want to lift up or carry God's name in such a way as to bring dishonor and disrespect to Him. To me, this would apply to more than just words that come out of my mouth. Now if you notice, Two times in this verse, we see the word name. Names are important because they help us to identify one another. And more importantly, our names are associated with our character and our reputation. If it is said that someone has a bad name... It's not that their literal name is being criticized. It's that their character or their reputation is being criticized. Unless you are the guy with the name Charles Stink. You know that name, Charles Stink? All throughout his life, Charles Stink was frequently harassed. Because of his name. And when his friends and co-workers suggested that he have it changed, Charles went to court to do just that. When he met with his friends afterward, they asked him what his new name was. And he replied, it is now George Stink. But I don't know what difference that's going to make. Names are like labels and they can influence how we feel or think about a person. For example, if someone mentions the name of Trish to me, it creates a positive feeling for she is my wife. That is her name. And she told me only to think positive thoughts about her. (laughs) Yes, I'm just doing what I'm told. But if you mention the name Hitler, okay, then the feeling is completely negative because I automatically associate his name to Nazi war crimes. Names are important to us, and even more so for people in the Bible. In the Bible, a name told a lot about a person, even defining their mission and purpose in life. And many times in the Bible, when something significant happened to a person to change their purpose and mission, their name changed as well. Abram was changed to what? Abraham. Jacob was changed to Israel. Simon was changed to Peter. And Saul was changed to Paul. Yes. So a person's name is important. But when it comes to God, it's a really big deal. For his name encompasses His nature, His power and authority, His identity and His attributes. In our third commandment, God calls Himself Lord. And if you notice in your Bible, Lord is in all caps. You notice that? All caps. In Hebrew, it is translated Yahweh, adding a couple vowels, it's translated Yahweh, which literally means I am. And that name reveals several truths about God. He has no beginning and no end. He is ever-present, from everlasting to everlasting God is self-existent and he is self-sufficient meaning he is completely independent however everything and everyone is completely dependent on him God is constant he is the same yesterday today and tomorrow God is sovereign and He has absolutely no constraints. God does what He pleases and what He pleases is always right. He is who He is. So we can see that when it comes to God... His name gives us a lot to consider. For it is a name that is above every other name. It is a name that separates Him from all others. And it's a name that cannot be separated from who He is. It cannot be separated from who He is. And that understanding helps to bring some clarity to some other passages we know in the Bible. For example, we are told in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among mankind by which we must be saved. In Romans chapter 10 verse 13, the Apostle Paul tells us, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. In Philippians chapter 2 verse 10 and 11, we are told a time will come, like it or not, That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Of those who are in heaven, on the earth, and under the earth. And that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So it's impossible. It's impossible to separate God's name from who He is. And I think this was the idea that Jesus was expressing to his disciples when he was teaching them to pray. If you recall, Jesus began his teaching by saying, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed or honored, be your name. God's name is more than just a few letters arranged in a row. His name captures His very essence, His character, His attributes, His nature. And Jesus tells us to think on these things to consider who we are really talking to when we pray. In our third commandment, we also see the words in vain. Mentioned twice. In Hebrew, it means to treat something as being empty. And useless. Meaningless. Or worthless. It speaks to taking something lightly and carelessly. When it should be taken seriously and used Carefully, with great respect. Taking the Lord's name in vain is to speak of God or to represent Him in a disrespectful or unworthy way. When I was a teenager living under my parents' roof, occasionally my father. Would tell me before I went out, remember whose name you carry. Remember whose name you carry. What did he mean by that? My last name is not a royal name. It's not a name for the history books. It's not a name really of any importance as far as I can determine. But what my father was saying was that I represented someone other than myself. I also represented him. I carried his family name. And what I said and what I did would be a reflection on him. On his character and on his reputation. In essence, my father was saying to me, Remember whose son you are and whose name you carry. Do not take my name in vain. The Apostle Paul tells us in Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. So yes, According to Leviticus chapter 24, verse 16, we can take the Lord's name in vain with our vulgar choice of words using His name. And yes, we can take the Lord's name in vain by swearing a false oath in His name or making a promise that we do not intend to keep as stated in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 12. And yes, we can take the Lord's name in vain by claiming that God said something He did not say, as described in our story of the 400. And also mentioned in Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 25. But, and this is where the rubber really meets the road for me. We can also take the Lord's name in vain by carrying His name as a Christian, claiming to be a follower of Christ, a child of God, and yet living as if He does not matter. Now, I suspect that at the beginning of my message this morning, many of you thought That you had this third commandment in the bag. You've watched your mouth. You don't use God's name as a cuss word when you hit your thumb with a hammer. But now you realize there is so much more to this third commandment than you initially thought. And it is very likely you have violated this commandment more than any other of the Ten Commandments. So let's get to the heart of the matter. Turn to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. One day... Jesus was dealing with some self-righteous religious leaders. They had come from Jerusalem, the headquarters of Judaism, to speak with Jesus, actually to shut Him down, because His disciples weren't following their man-made rules and traditions. Well, Jesus goes on the offensive. For he knew these men only gave an outward appearance of being devoted to God. They only claimed to abide by God's moral standards. They went through the motions, so to speak, so as to look spiritual on the outside. And yet Jesus knew the truth. They were hypocrites, wearing religious masks to appear godly by following their own rules when, in fact, they were in rebellion against God, and their hearts were hardened toward God. Then Jesus said of them, in Matthew chapter 15, verse 8 and 9, using a quote from Isaiah, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of man. In this passage... Jesus said their worship of God was in vain. It was empty. It was pointless. It was meaningless. For they had substituted true worship of God with their own set of religious rules. They were all about religion and failed to understand that what God really wanted with His people was a relationship. An exclusive relationship which just so happens to be expressed in the first and second of the Ten Commandments. Jesus said their hearts were far from God. The heart of the problem was their hearts. The religious leaders knew a lot about God. They claimed to be people of God. They claimed His name, but they didn't love God. They didn't follow God. In Matthew chapter 7, a little further back, in verse 21, Jesus said something I want you to hear again. Because I have shared this passage with you on many occasions. But in light of what we have covered this morning, okay, I want you to hear this passage. With a different set of ears. Okay? Okay? Just listen to it differently. You know this passage. Matthew 7 beginning in verse 21. Just listen. Not everyone. Who says to me. Lord. Lord. Will enter. The kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven, will enter. Listen. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles, and then I will declare to them I never knew you. Depart from me you who practice lawlessness in this passage jesus described these people as being religious but they had no real relationship with god they claimed the Lord's name three times. Did you see that? They claimed His name three times, but they never copied His example. They called Him Lord. They claimed to represent Him, but they chose not to follow They took his name in vain. Charles Spurgeon commented on this passage, and he said, Three times over, the person is described as doing all in thy name, and yet. The Lord, whose name he used so freely, so boldly, knew nothing of him, and would not suffer him to remain in his company. The Lord cannot endure the presence of those who call him Lord, Lord, and then work iniquity. They professed to Him that they knew Him, but He will profess unto them, I never knew you. It will be a horrible, horrible day. If Jesus... Hear me. If Jesus says to you, I loved you more than you could ever imagine. When you were at your worst, I died for you. But, I don't associate My name with your name. There's no connection. There's no relationship between the two. And in that respect, I never knew you. Depart from me. That's terrifying. That is terrifying. For those who are followers of Christ, we get the awesome privilege to carry His name because He carried our cross. Think about that. We get to carry his name because he carried our cross. And because we carry his name, a family name, we have the responsibility to carry it well, to honor his name, and to honor him. For his name and who he is cannot be separated. And we're to honor him with love and gratitude, with trust and obedience. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. I am, the, I am the first to admit I have taken your name in vain more times than I can count. In some respects, I did not fully understand what you were saying. And that's my fault too. I know I carry your name. The name of Christ. Father, Father, help me to carry it well help me to trust you to obey you to love you and to honor you may you be may you be glorified in what we say may you be honored and glorified by our actions for you are worthy you're worthy of our honor you're worthy to be lifted up you're worthy to be praised i thank you for your name in jesus name amen this was kind of a this was kind of a heavy i don't know kind of a heavy Message this morning. At least it was at least it was for me. At least it was for me. And I'll have a few things to say because of it. Thank you Jesus for your grace and your mercy and your long-suffering patience and your forgiveness. Otherwise, we would all be in a world of hurt. Am I right? Oh, man. I have taken his name in vain by how I carry his name more times than I can count. I'm the, I'm the first to say that. Absolutely. I carry his name. I'm a Christian. What an honor. What a privilege! But we got to take His name seriously, because we take Him seriously. He is the Lord God Almighty. Spoke the world into existence. He invites you and me to call Him Dad. <laughs> Just <clears throat> to call Him Dad. We have to take him seriously. He loves us. So thank you, Jesus, for your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness. It's because of his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness that we should want to obey him and carry his name well. Right? Does that make sense? Yeah, we get, we get to carry his name well. That's a privilege. That's a bonus. That's a privilege. I give you my name. That's so important. And maybe there are some here who do not know Jesus Christ. Maybe I described you in my message. Maybe if you're honest, you would say, "You know what? I come to church. I I I I pray on occasion when I need something." when when it's convenient for me. I read my Bible. I even take communion. But I think I'm just going through the motions. Just going through the motions, the religious motions. Bob, I I, I question whether or not I'm in a true relationship with God like you described. Let me just say a couple things. God has a purpose for your life. Jesus said, for God so loved the world that He gave. His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. God's purpose is that we would have everlasting life. Life that is meaningful in the here and now. Life that is significant in the here and now. Not necessarily without problems. We're going to have problems. God promised that as well, right? But life, that that means something. It's significant. It's abundant. But also, when we leave this world, we would be in a new world with Him. We would experience our inheritance. That is God's purpose for us. That's what He wants. That's what He desires. That's His purpose. Well, we got a problem, don't we? We got a problem, and it's sin. Sin separates us from God, and it keeps us from fulfilling God's purpose in our lives. And the problem with sin is this. There's a penalty for it. And it's, it's death and hell, separation from God. So God has a purpose, but we got this problem. And God gave us a remedy. His name is Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me, but through me. Jesus was on a rescue mission for you and me and he gave his life for each and every one of us. He gave his life. And we have a response. We have a response. He calls us to repent of our sin, to turn from our our wicked ways, to turn from pleasing ourselves, and to turn to him. He tells us to place our faith in him, to trust him. And then to surrender to Him as Lord. He is Lord. He is Lord. Maybe you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I would love to introduce you to Him. I would love to introduce you to Him. So this morning, however the Lord leads, whether it's just to to unload on the pastor, I'll be here. Maybe you want to talk about salvation. I'll be here as well. I'd love to talk with you. Maybe you're looking for a church to join. However the Lord leads you, I just ask you to respond in obedience. He loves you. I'd like to uh, close with um, a prayer for our offering. Just to remind you, our baskets are near the door there. So uh, we, again, we appreciate any, any, uh, any gifts that you will provide to us. Um, And again, uh, we most definitely want to use uh, God's money in a way that honors him, right? We want to use his money, and it is his money, in in a wise uh, way as well, wise and prudent way. And then also I want to pray for our fellowship afterwards. Uh, I know there's probably plenty of food out there, and so I hope you stay for that. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time together with Uh, my my Christian brothers and sisters. Father, I just, again, I thank you so much for them. Uh, Lord God, I just pray that uh, what was said here today, first and foremost, honored you, but would also leave these walls. Uh, And Lord, I I just, I'm just convinced that what we do here between these walls, must have an impact on the other side of these walls. So, Father, I just pray that what was done today, what was said today, will be meaningful uh, and life-changing. Lord, I I pray for our offering this morning. And, Heavenly Father, I pray for uh, the gift and the giver. Lord, you say you love a cheerful giver. And, Lord, I just pray that our hearts would be right. Father, give us as a church uh, the wisdom we need to use your money wisely. And then, Father, for our fellowship uh, that's uh, coming up, Father, I just pray that uh, you would give us a sweet time together. Uh, Father, help us to come together uh, as a body of Christ. And Father, uh, I just pray that you'd bless those who prepared food, and Lord God, bless our bodies as we partake. May you be honored and glorified in all that we do, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.